You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. As we sang this morning, takes us into uh, what is really some very confusing territory as we think about the role of the Holy Spirit and as we think in particular about uh, who the Trinity is. So hopefully that word Trinity is at least something that you've heard. And, and if you're thinking like Trinity from the Matrix and that's your only frame of reference, that's fine. We'll all get caught up together this morning. Uh, the idea of the Trinity is one of those things that quite honestly is very confusing. And it's one of those concepts, uh, ideas of how we understand who God is, that the more we dive into it, usually the more confused we feel as we come out of it. So part of this series on the Holy Spirit is talking about who the Holy Spirit is and understanding that in a deeper way and how the Holy Spirit works in my life and in your life. Uh, so this morning as we do that, I want to take us to a couple of scriptures. Um, and, and the first one that I want to look at in just a few minutes is John 14. So if you want to follow along, if you have a Bible, uh, you can go to John 14. If you want to follow along digitally, you can go to today at citruschurch.org. And we've got some links there that you can follow also. Uh, but I want to give you some bad news first. The idea of the Trinity, the word Trinity never appears in the Bible. It, that's always a surprising reminder to me because the concept of Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is something so core to who we are as followers of Jesus, and yet it doesn't appear in the Bible. So maybe you're thinking, well, then why are we talking about it this morning? And that's what I want to dig into is because the biblical authors never talk about the word Trinity, but they bring the concept up. And this is a great example for us of how everything about who God is was not decided in the Old or in the New Testament. But God's Spirit is with us today and continues through the community of believers, through conversations and discussions over time to help us to grow in our understanding of who God is. And so even though that word doesn't appear in the scriptures, the concept is certainly there. And what I want to do this morning is to look into what that looks like. And quite honestly, there's so many places that we could go, as Dr. Seuss would say, oh, the scriptures that we could go, or the, oh, the places we could go, right? Instead of going everywhere this morning, I want to just go to one or two places. But if you're someone who wants to read more, again, if you go to our digital bulletin, today at citruschurch.org, I've listed out about five other scriptures where you can see this concept of Trinity at work in the Bible from the beginning of Genesis all the way through into the New Testament. But this morning where I want to focus is in the book of John, uh, particularly John chapter 14, verse 9, and then we're going to jump over to verse 16 and 17. Jesus speaking, it says, Jesus replied, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been with you all this time, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And just pausing here, the words we've highlighted is that the fact that this is Jesus speaking, and Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And so as audacious as that would have been to the first century, it's a little bit more nuanced to us because we're comfortable with this connection that Jesus and the Father are one. We're comfortable with this connection that Jesus is God. Right? We get that. In those times, that would have still been one of those revolutionary statements that would have been counted as heresy by some. Uh, heresy being a teaching that is against what God teaches. 
But Jesus is setting up that he and the Father are one, that they are equal. And in that same passage, he would go on to say, again, Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father, and he will send another companion who will be with you forever. This companion is the, Holy, is the Spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor recognizes him. You know him because he lives with you and will be with you. Now, the point at which Jesus says that is uh, before his death and before his resurrection. And so it's before the Holy Spirit, as we talked about last week, descended and began to dwell within the life of each follower of Jesus. But what he's pointing to is saying that uh, we will send another, the collective we, that God the Father and the Son will send another who is also equal with them, who will be the presence not just with them, but in them. And I think the words, as we've talked about previously, are helpful The Holy Spirit is the companion, the one who dwells and lives and abides with us, who gives us strength and hope. And so in this, we see the beginning concepts, even though they don't say, Jesus doesn't say in parentheses, oh, by the way, you're going to call this the Trinity a couple years down the road. We don't get that, but we get the concept. Uh, And so as we just sang, that concept began to be known as the Trinity, or as we sang, God in three persons. God, the one God, in three persons. Which mathematically makes no sense, right? Uh, It's really hard to teach this to kids, the Trinity. Like, how do you add up the Trinity? Uh, Three, uh, one plus one equals three, but the three are also one, and the one are three. And and this really makes no sense to us. This is a very confusing concept. This has confused theologians and followers of God for centuries to come. This has caused uh, literal fights in ages past at at these councils of religious leaders who have tried to figure this out in the early days. But in our faith, we follow the God who is three persons. And when we say three persons, what we mean uh, are, are three essence. Three individual beings who are one being because we are not a polytheistic faith we're a monotheistic right and and since it's a sunday morning and and maybe i've had more coffee than you've had this morning so far it's a reminder to us that our faith our religion is monotheistic it means it's one god it's not like you may have studied of an ancient roman or or an ancient greek where there are many gods and multitudes of gods and some are are up here and some are at this level And there's varying degrees. Even though we say God in three persons, we're not talking about three separate gods. We're talking about one God in three persons. Like, are you confused yet? Because, like, I'm confusing myself talking about this, quite honestly. So I want to say a few things about what we don't believe. Uh, One of the things that we don't believe is that God takes three different forms. And this was frustrating to me because one of the first ways that I was taught to understand how God is three persons is someone said, well, it's kind of like H2O. It's kind of like water. Water can exist in three different forms, right? There's, There's water, and there's ice, and there's steam. And so in the same way that those are one, they're also three. Does that, anybody else heard that one before? Anybody else said that one before? Heretics. All of you who raised your hand are heretics. (laughs) So that is is an age-old heresy, a heresy being something that is not true to the faith or to Scripture, uh, called modalism. 
there's a fun word, modalism. And the reason why that one doesn't work is because what happens with water is that it's three separate states at three different times, and you can't have steam and ice together in the same substance, right? If you have steam and ice, something scientifically is not working. Some of our science people can explain why that makes more sense than how I just said that, right? So we say that's, that's a heresy because those three things can't exist at the same time, and yet God and three persons exist at the same time together without canceling out another one. So as beautiful as that analogy is and as helpful as that is, it's not quite right. We also say that God is not three different parts or pieces. God is not separated from that. The challenge of this is how we kind of think about these individual persons that are one. One of the ways that this is helpful to us is because it tells us that, um, that God is not just up there and far away. Uh, one of the ways that we have seen God over the decades is called theism. And it's this, this idea that God is, is present, that there, God is real, but God is far away and disconnected from the everyday life of the world. And, and that's a belief that, that I believed in before I came, became a Christian, that God was active in the world but not really interested or, or a part of my life. And what the Trinity does is it says that God is the creator, the one we think of as far off and far away, but God is also present in the person of Jesus Christ and lives within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so one of the things that the Trinity does is it helps to locate God in the world and God in you and God in me. But one of the things that it doesn't do is separate out God in different ages. So one of the things that we kind of get tripped on is saying, well, God the Father was the person of the Old Testament and Jesus was the New Testament and the Holy Spirit is the church. And in a sense, what we're doing is saying that each of them have had their time and their reign, but those have passed. If you want to check up on this a little bit more, the scriptures that I mentioned that you can find will show you how God the Father and the Spirit and the Son are active at all times in all history and all creation. Jesus seems to take a forefront in the Gospels. The Holy Spirit takes a forefront in the church. God takes, uh, the Father takes uh, the forefront in the Old Testament, but all of those were at work in those times. For example, and you can see this in some of those scriptures, all persons of God were present in creation and crucifixion and in the church. Creation, crucifixion, and the church, all of God was present. So maybe you're thinking, why does all this matter, right? What is the point of trying to wrestle through how all these things work? And I believe one of the reasons that this understanding of how, who God is matters is because it's how God is at work in the world today. It tells us why our faith as Christians is unique, why it's not the same as other faiths, and why as hard as it is for people of other faith to understand how we can say we believe in a God who is three persons, but we are not polytheistic. <laughs> it's one of the things that makes our faith unique and stand out. That God isn't just far off and far away creating. That God redeems us and saves us on the cross and comes to live inside of us. I believe it's important because this is the faith that you and I have been handed down. We are starting a new church from scratch. But that doesn't mean that we are starting a faith from scratch. 
the way that we set up on a Sunday morning and the types of coffee that we offer may be unique and different, but the thing that we are not starting from scratch is our understanding of who God is. We may be learning it new for the first time or, or growing in it in new ways, but this is the same faith that began in all time that was handed down to us generation after generation. And it's why, for those who are familiar with the Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, in his only Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the Holy Spirit. And in that creed, we speak to all three persons of God. And the analogy is, I love that we are standing in a stream with waters that have flowed long before us and will carry down. And we say things and we sing songs that Christians have sung over the centuries in all kinds of different times and ages. It unites us with that tradition, which is valuable and important. And I think it casts a vision for us for life down here. So for those of us who are a little more visual, I thought it might be helpful to see uh, one of the more helpful ways that we've understood God throughout the years as these three persons. So uh, for those who are like super with Latin, you can pat yourself on the back because you understand what that says over there. Uh, most of us can probably just figure it out. Uh, so the idea here is that, and then it's translated over here on the right. And what they've tried to do with this was have an understanding of who God is. So the idea that, that this is God in three persons, that the Father is not the Holy Spirit, but the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. That each one of these persons are unique and equal. They each have a specific role that they play in our lives and in the world. And yet they are separate, but they are one. And so this has become one of the most helpful ways that people have kind of thought about who God is. And yet, <laughs> one of the challenges with this is we've still separated almost the fourth being out in the middle. right? If you really want to get nuanced about this, well, there's still this God in the middle who seems separate. So quite frankly, what we're seeing here is that to the best of our ability, with the best illustrations and the best drawings and the things that have been handed down over the years and the ages, with the best of our human wisdom, we simply cannot put the right words around who God is. And that is frustrating at times to people who want to understand who God is. But I believe that's also great news. Because it tells us that the God that we worship, who, who is, and, but who is also not, but who is connected, but is also one, but is, is three, is so much bigger than our minds or our science or our wisdom can comprehend. All of these tools can draw us closer to God. And yet God can still be so much bigger and grander than we could ever imagine. And in my mind, that's really helpful news. Because what it tells us is that the Holy Spirit, that God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, that the Trinity is hard to understand, but actually quite easy to experience. So quite honestly, if you're struggling to get all this so far, and if you're like, I don't know, this is like too much for 1030 in the morning, like way too much for a Sunday morning in summertime, right? I see your eyes, right? It's a reminder that whether we can understand fully God or not, because we can't, we can experience God fully, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, much, much easier. And so some of the ways that we have done this over the years are in this list. And I wanted to share this because I believe this is helpful. Uh, on Father's Day, especially, we remember that for many of us who had great pictures of who a father was, 
that the idea of God as Father can be very comforting and nurturing. We can also recognize that for many of us, too, that if we haven't had a good example of a father, or for in some ways that has been uh, a hard thing for us to think about, the idea of thinking of God as a father may not give us the picture of who God actually is. And so over the years and over time, we've come to recognize that God revealed God's self as Father and that that God is redeeming that image that can be broken. Even as fathers ourselves, we recognize that we are not God and we get it wrong. And so what this does is it points us to a parent who is greater than ourselves. But we have given other names to God to kind of understand God's work in the world, and you can see these kind of going across. So we could say that God is creator, redeemer, and sustainer. That God is creative power, saving love, and I like that one, ecstatic transformation. That God is revealer, the revelation itself, and the revealedness in the spirit. That God is primordial nature, consequent nature, and intersubjective nature. By the way, if you can use intersubjective nature this week in some way, send me a text or a message and let me know because... Uh, kudos to you for that, right? Uh, but we also recognize that God is wisdom, presence, and the power of God. The wisdom of God seen through the ages, the presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ, and the power of God at work in you and in me to share the good news, to live the good news, and to follow Jesus. So in particular on this Father's Day, if it's hard for you to relate to maybe the more traditional saying of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Maybe you can connect with God this morning in a way with these other names of God. The truth of the matter is, is that our words fail us when speaking about God. That the most precise language we can use must always bend towards metaphor when speaking of God. Uh, And Dr. Caroline Lewis puts it this way. She's a professor at Luther Seminary. And she says it this way. I worry sometimes that these doctrines we tout are thought to be the end all of theology, theology being the study of God, rather than what they truly are. Our best effort to give words to our experiences of God in our lives and in the lives of others. And what she's saying to us is is that sometimes we work so hard to put terms and words and, and ideas around God that we forget that what we're really trying to do is simply give voice to what we're experiencing in our lives, how we're experiencing the redeeming, the recreating, the power of God active in our lives. And it's good for us to try to put that into words, but to never forget that what we're talking about is the experience of knowing that God is with us, that God loves us, that God redeems us, and that God sends us. And so I want to look at one, of this, one other scripture this morning from John 16. Uh, and this is Jesus' time with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And in this part of John, he goes on an extended kind of sermon conversation with his disciples, helping them to understand what comes next. And he says, I have much more to say to you, but you can't handle it now. I, I love that Tom Cruise moment that he takes with his disciples, like, you can't handle the truth now, right? I have so much more I could tell you about who I am and who God is, but, but you just can't handle it right now. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. 
He won't speak on his own, but he will say whatever he hears and proclaim to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and proclaim it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine, and this is why I said that the Spirit takes what is mine and will proclaim it to you. Jesus never uses the word Trinity. But did you hear how all three persons of God are present and active in this passage? The Spirit, the Father, the Son, all are equal, and all are sharing as much as they can with us as humans. And I think some of the reasons that they simply couldn't understand or couldn't handle it was because they couldn't understand how Jesus was going to go to the cross and then rise from the dead. That didn't happen back then. That doesn't really happen now that we know of, except for some miracles that we hear about. That was as foreign a concept to them as it would be to us. So quite simply, there were things Jesus wanted to reveal to them that they simply couldn't understand. But I think this passage is speaking over the generations and and into our lives today, and is saying that there are so many things about who God is and how God is at work that we simply can't comprehend. And the hope we have as believers and followers of Jesus or, or those who might want to become believers is that there is so much more than we could ever understand. And I see that as good news. Because it's telling us that no matter how much we grow and how much we learn and how much we experience God, there's always more. There's always more that God wants to do in your life and in my life. There's always more places where we can be recreated and remade. There's always more places where you and I need saving from ourselves or those things that are happening to us. There's always more places in our world where sin is breaking things down and breaking people down, and we can come alongside as the church, God's people, imperfect as we are, and build the world back up. And quite simply, we can't understand it. There's, a, there's a, a Catholic monk uh, named uh, Thomas Merton. And one of the things that he said, and I'm going to misquote him, but it's in one of his books, is he said, we can imagine it like, like God sends millions of seeds past us every day, floating in the air. And there's no way we could ever capture these millions of seeds that God is sending our way. But our prayer each day is, Lord, can I just catch a few of your seeds in my hand, and that would be enough for me today to know that you're with me and that you have a plan and a purpose for me. And so we may not fully ever comprehend the millions of thoughts and ideas of how the Trinity works, but we could at least open our hands up to God and say, Lord, could you just help me to receive what I need for today to live faithfully and to share your love with someone else who needs it? A seed for me and a seed for someone else. I think that's a prayer that you and I could pray as we begin to think about the week ahead. So the good news, once again, as we try to wrap our heads around the Trinity, is that the triune God, which quite honestly, when we talk about the Trinity, I just need to pause to say, we get some of like the best church language ever when we talk about the Trinity. Like, where else are you using the word triune in your week, right? Just say that for fun. Say the triune God. Yeah. It, yes, exactly. It is fun. The triune God is more easily experienced than explained. So if you struggle to understand how God could be three in one, that's okay. Know that it is more easy to experience God in three persons than it is to explain it. And know if others have questions about how you as a Christian could believe in three gods but one, you're going to have a hard time explaining that to them. 
that they might have a better time experiencing it through you or with you, with God active in your life. So my hope is that we can embrace and experience God even without fully understanding it. And so my prayer for us today is that you would know the Father as the creative power, the revealer of truth in your life, as the wisdom that you need for whatever decisions are facing you now. That you would know the Son as your Redeemer, the one who on the cross paid the price for my sin and for your sin so that we could live. The one who reveals God to us and the one who is present in this world. And my prayer is that you would know the Spirit as your sustainer, as your transformer, as the power of God at work in you. Because quite honestly, there is still so much more that God has to say to us, but we simply can't handle it right now. And the good news is that God will never give up on us, that God will always love us, and that God always delights in revealing new things to us. And most often it simply takes us pausing in the midst of our day and our life and saying, God, what do you have for me today? And being open to how that is revealed. To give you one more example of what this might look like in our life, I want to share with you uh, some words from uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, And these come from his book, Mere Christianity. And he says, imagine an ordinary, simple Christian. I'm going to just say that's all of us this morning. Imagine an ordinary, simple Christian at prayer. Her prayer is directed towards God, but is also prompted by God within her in the first place. And at the same time, as she prays, she stands with and within Jesus as part of the body of Christ. Which is why Christians typically pray in Jesus' name. In short, as this ordinary, simple Christian prays, God is three things for her. The goal that she's trying to reach, the momentum within her, and the beloved companion along the way. The way indeed itself. The whole threefold life of the triune God is actually going on around and within her as she prays. And she is being caught up into the higher kinds of life, which is to say God's own life, three in one and one in three. It's good news for us whether we understand God fully or not, because it tells us that God, three in one and one in three, is present and active in you and in me and in the church and in this world. And so the passage that we'll share at the end, I want to give you a highlight of it. We've used this one before. But it's another example of where we see the Trinity at work in the scriptures. It's the blessing and the benediction that we'll use today. We'll share it together. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.